Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Jeremy Brown of Briggson Building Company. When Jeremy started the company, he had one goal in mind when starting out to provide a reliable, well-communicated construction service to his local market. Jeremy began working in real estate back in 2006. He would continually hear negative feedback about contractors and construction services available in the area. Wanting to help build a stronger reputation for the construction industry, and provide a reliable service to his clients, he used his previous construction experience to start Briggson Building Company in 2010. Since then, the team at Briggson has had the privilege of building everything from award-winning kitchens and outdoor spaces to helping homeowners with small handyman projects. He's always held customer satisfaction and craftsmanship to the highest level of expectation, and he looks forward to continuing to serve their customers and their referrals. Now for the conversation, with Jeremy Brown. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Spencer. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm excited. Excited to dive in. Why don't you give our listeners just a quick overview? Where are you at? What's the company name? What kinds of projects are you guys doing? So we're based out of Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and primarily a remodeling business. We do. We try to. We try to have a good mix of larger jobs and smaller jobs. The town we work in is only about twenty thousand people, so it's not very big. Yeah. And you know, there's a college here, which kind of keeps it young and fresh. There's a lot of good, a lot of great clients around here, and we work within this town probably ninety, eighty-five to ninety percent of the time. So we don't have to travel very far for work, which is great. But we also are kind of limited to the type of projects that are that are here. So we'll do right now. We the beginning of this year, we just kicked off our first new home from the ground up. So we'll do usually a large addition, or you know, in this case, it's a full house. So we'll do what I like to call it a job that's over a hundred thousand dollars. We'll do one of those at a time, and then we'll have usually four to five remodeling jobs going at a time. So, you know, those ticket prices are usually down anywhere from 30 to $60,000, something like that. Gotcha. Right on. Yeah. And so did you, did you start the company or how did it, how did it all get going? Oh yeah. So the name of the company is Briggson Building Company. And I did start it. I had a partnership with another remodeler about 15 years ago, you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And people are all different. And we just approached the business and the clients different manner. So we split and I started my own LLC at the time. So Briggson's been in existence for about 12 years. 
And my son's name is Briggs. So I just kind of rolled off that. He was still in the womb when I was trying to come up with a name. Right on. So that's where Briggson was uh, originated from. And that's, we've kept it going this long. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So where, where did it start? It sounds like you had been doing some stuff prior to actually like forming this new company, but what are the, the first like one or two years look like? They were chaos. Today's world is still chaos, just bigger chaos. Right. You know, so we started a lot of, you know, flooring projects, trim and paint, you know, a couple decks here and there. And we still do a ton of that work because last year when I checked our numbers, like 89% of our leads were repeat or referral customers. So we end up building very strong relationships with our clients and we come back and do whatever they need. It's challenging because we're doing jobs all across the board. But you know, I appreciate the relationship with the customer a little bit more than I appreciate the work that we're doing. So yeah, it started off a lot of, you know, small jobs, decks, you know, paint. We had me and my helper. And, you know, originally I'm not I'm not from around here. And I was actually selling real estate at the time. And a lot of our clients were asking us, you know, do you know a contractor to do a bathroom? Do you know a contractor to do a floor? I was giving out referrals. I was getting terrible feedback. And I had contracting experience before I got into remodeling and down in West Virginia. And I just decided to figure it out myself because I was tired of getting negative feedback from people. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you said you figured it out yourself. What did that process look like? Was your first like remodel? Was it a bathroom? Was it a kitchen? Or, you know, yeah. Did you have any trepidation going into that? (laughs) Interestingly enough, Our first job, this is hilarious. Our first job (laughs) with my partner was staining some floors, sanding down floors, staining floors, refinishing them, which I completely outsource now. But he left some stain rags and a garbage bag on the back of the house that caught fire, melted the siding, caught the back of the house on fire. So yeah, fear struck pretty early in my career. We hashed it out, took care of it for him and dealt with it. But Thought to myself, well, you can really screw things up if you don't you don't know what you're doing. So, you know, since then I've I've tried to surround myself with good subs and knowledgeable people and just try to do right by the customer. But yeah, you know, you move into things like bathrooms and kitchens that take more detail. And there's always, and I'm still not that good at this, but there's always a fear of running out of work. You know, so I haven't been very good at saying no to customers. And again, with with such a good customer retention, you know, when a customer calls, a previous customer calls us to do a small job, I just don't want to send them somewhere else. You know, so again, it's challenging because we might end up doing some of those small jobs still, but I just want to be able to take care of the, our clients and our community the best that we can. So that's that's kind of what we shoot for is being you know, more customer focused and, you know, try to build the business around that. Yeah. Yeah. That is challenging. Cause I think the natural progression oftentimes is like you get into bigger projects and more complex things as your skill set levels up and you kind of build your, your model around that. So it becomes tougher to, you know, make money on the smaller jobs. Do you find that you're like having to are you creating the business model with that in mind, like moving forward where you're like, yep, we got to be able to do both. And I guess what, what does that look like if so? 
Yeah, so that is part of the business model is being able to retain a lot of the smaller jobs because of our database. I just want to retain the client and the market, the market retention, because I'm close friends with a couple other local contractors that do bigger jobs. And, you know, they're traveling 45 minutes to an hour and a half away to do some of these jobs. And I just don't, I value my time and I don't want to spend it in a car. You know, it already takes me a half an hour to get to my office in Carlisle and my guys live south of Carlisle. So expanding our radius of work seems more challenging to me than expanding our ability of job cost range, right? In building this, I have I have two guys that can handle those little jobs without a lot of direction and a lot of management from our project manager. So, you know, we kind of throw them in those jobs to make sure they take care of the customers and the customers love them because they've known them for a while and, and all that seems. But basically when I'm trying to build up my schedule, you know, I'm building out months in advance for the larger scale jobs that are going to be, you know, two, three, four month jobs. And then we just also build another schedule right below for our remodeling work. And we try to stack those jobs in about three months out. And then the smaller handyman jobs that we call them, which, you know, our, our, I'll say our handyman jobs are probably under five grand, something like that, where, you know, I was listening to a podcast with a, a, a very large national remodeler, remodeler and his handyman jobs were $25,000, which is pretty much a, a whole bathroom in our market. You know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting to, to, you know, hear those other perspectives, but yeah, that's how we do it. You know, when they, when those calls come in, I just I just set them up for my for my guys for my project manager, and it's pretty easy to fill them. You know, it's but it can be challenging to move to shuffle the people around for those. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. My uncles, I think, did something similar with their business. They did a lot of remodeling and custom homes, and they realized that like we really need a handyman division. You know, because I think they were seeing a lot of that you know, customers coming back and they're like, I, I trust you. I, I know you're going to do a good job, but I just need like these little things done. And so they ended up just kind of having the two divisions and they would market both divisions, but then they kind of like cross sell between the two. So I, I think that that model makes sense uh, from like, uh, if your primary objective is like, I want to be able to serve these customers through the lifetime of, you know, their home and that sort of thing. So that's super cool. And just thinking about, you know, you said, been about 12 years since you kind of spun out on your own and, and been doing this. What do you think has been just the toughest part about entrepreneurship or building the business just in general? I, the people. The people are, are the most challenging and getting out of my own way, probably seeking help. You know, like everyone's got their own expectations of how things should finish or the way something should be ran. So, you know, becoming crystal clear with your employees and their expectations on a job site is hard, you know, and and you can set those in place, but sometimes they don't stick that long, you know, and you got to refresh that. So, you know, finding good people, retaining good people, we've, we've been pretty good at, I mean, I, I try to take care of my guys as, as best I can. And then I would say seeking help, for the longest time I had, a, I, I just wanted to figure it out on my own. I don't know why, you know, it takes, <laughs> it takes so long and you work backwards so much. And, you know, you don't, you don't realize that a lot of these people that are in your community are more than 
more than willing to help you and more than willing to give you advice. And until you start to seek that or look for somebody to train you or a coach to guide you, you kind of, you know, you spin your wheels and work backwards a lot. And, you know, I didn't realize that until late in my career, but it's been beneficial at this point. You know, you, you learn a lot, trials and tribulations of being a remodeler and trying to do everything and wear all the hats. Now we're in a pretty good spot and, you know, COVID has ramped up the business quite a bit along with bringing, you know, the obvious challenges that everyone talks about. But yeah, I would say, I would say the, the biggest issues for me in our business were the people and kind of just accepting, accepting help and, and trying to create a path of, of positive growth instead of just, you know, just going through the motions. I started working with a coach about a year ago. And I would say before that, out of the previous seven years, our volume was always within the same hundred thousand dollars. It was wild. There was no, there was no growth, you know, and I tried this way or I tried that way. And I just could not get over that. I just couldn't get over that hump. I had one terrible year in there, which now after reading a couple of other things, I've seen that, you know, out of a 10 year cycle, you have like six average years or maybe five average years, two knockout years, one awful year. And, you know, there's a, there's a sequence of that role of business. And I've been, you know, blessed to go through all of them, I guess at this point, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, this last, the last two years of working with a coach and the growth that we've went through has been good. It's been eye opening. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Cool. It reminds me of, you know, just as you're talking about that concept, it's who, not how. And it's it's a book and it's also a really powerful concept. But I feel like as humans, we all have that like natural tendency to like, I'm going to figure this out or I can do this. And it becomes a how question, like, how am I going to do this? But if you just flip it to like, who can help me get this done? And you kind of remove the ego around figuring it out. And you're just like, I don't care how I get there. I just want to get to the result you know, then you you get there, like you said, twice as fast and things start going. And I find myself still combating that natural tendency to figure out how, and then kind of reframing it going, no, no, who can help me get this done? You know, so 
Yeah, um, we have a, a saying in our house. My my children are 14 and 11. And I always ask them, who can make you great? And they'll respond, only I can make myself great. And I'll say, who can help make you great? And their <laughs> response is, anyone that they'll let help them. Nice. Right? Because nope. if you don't let people take you and elevate you to the next level, you might still get there, but boy, is it struggle. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it, it really is. No, I like that. All right. Well, you got any like wacky or weird client stories or funky projects that you've worked on? Anything coming to mind? Oh my, let me try to dig through the archives of my mind. <laughs> yeah. File through. <laughs> right. I mean, you started out with a bang with the one that uh, that lit everything on fire. I was wondering if you had anything else uh, <laughs> kind of wild that came up. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, that was that was surprising, and uh, you know, one of those old shit moments, especially in your. <laughs> it was our very first job. I mean, it was, that was the <laughs> very first job. Can only get better from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now the house we're building, you know, it's the the lot. It lays low, and it's very it's very wet and it's been a struggle left and right. And my excavator, you know, jokingly said to me, have you been sued before? And I was like, no, why? <laughs> and he's concerned with the, the water in this job, but I, I mean, I think it's going to be fine. It's all been engineered out and I think we'll be on, you know, be fine with it. But, you know, here recently we've done, we've done a large addition project that ultimately turned into a whole house, a, di- a whole house renovation. And, the uh, budget on the house went up after we started, went up about about 80%. <laughs> so, you know, we're t- I've been in that house now for, we've been in there for seven months. And, you know, I get it. When, you know, people get contractors into the house, they want to retain them and get as much done as they can. But, you know, when you, when you all but double a budget, you know, at that point of starting that job, we were booking out six months and doubling that budget takes on another two to three months worth of work for the guys. You know, and that, that's been one of the biggest challenges now because we're trying to run tight, such a tight schedule because there's so many, so much work out there. You know, when you add that kind of scope of work to a job, it throws off all of the, all of the scheduling and everything. And you know, I'm again. I'm I'm not real good at saying no. And these people, we put an addition on for them eleven years ago, and mm-hmm. we came back and did another addition and and the whole house. And it's, I mean, it's been trying, man. You know, to to try and get through that and still have a relationship and a friendship with the customer at the end because they're ready. We're ready. Everyone's ready to be done with it. But you know, that's just one of the things we're going through right now. As far as you know, wacky stories or anything like that. I'm sure they're out there. I don't have one that really jumps out and and kind of grabs a hold of me. Yeah, no, it's all good. Well, cool. Well, as you like look towards the future, you know, 12 years in, what's I won't say 12 years out, but maybe like five years out. What's your vision for the company? So primarily right now, my goal, my vision for the company and All of my goals and direction right now are based upon my son graduating high school, which is six years. And I need it to be self-sufficient. Our plan when he graduates is to leave town and hike the Appalachian Trail for six months. 
maybe seven, however long it takes. So, you know, I told my guys, I went through a big push with hiring designers and stuff. And about four years ago, I had to regroup from that because, you know, we took it down. We're turning our volume. But now I've told everyone, like, my goal is to be able to, to get this, you know, systematic and rolling so that I can step away from the business and, and do that. So that's driving everything right now. I need to, we'll be at about 1.5 million this year. I need to get to about 2.5 to three before that's financially feasible, which I think we can do. I just hope we can do it in this immediate market because like I said, I really don't want to travel too far outside of this area. I, I, I do really enjoy working in it. So that's my goal. Right now we have, we just hired our first project manager in the field and we have a, you know, kind of like an office admin or a gal that's in the office taking taking over selections and kind of handling the customers on that end. So I think we're set up. We have a pretty good team to to try to make those goals come true. But you know, I'm pre- forecasting about a million in growth over the next three years, and then I hope I can get it to around three and just kind of stay steady and be able to hire a salesperson, get out of the estimating side of it, and move cool. on with my life a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's nice to have one of those like time-bound, you know, milestones to to really kick you into gear. So it sounds like you've you've got that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm um, afraid I'll never get that opportunity again. So, you know, if I have to shut the doors and just leave town, then I might do that. But <laughs> I want everyone to still have a job. You know, we have <laughs> we have seven people on the books right now. And I want uh I want to be able to continue serving our community and and helping everyone else. So yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Well, in terms of just the general industry, you know, what do you see as like the big challenges we all need to be thinking about for the next 12 to 24 months? Well, you know, I think in specific to our market, I'm a little I'm a little concerned that once the interest rates climb up just a little bit more that people are going to stop pulling out their equity to do some of these larger jobs that we're getting. I think I probably I think we probably have another year, maybe a year and a half of pretty strong leads coming in. But I'm just a little concerned that some of the the larger projects are going to die down. And I'm a little concerned that when those die down, we're not going to see a decrease in material costs. Mm. You know, like with the price of lumber fluctuating so much, it's just... It just brought a challenge on with this house. You know, I, I bid the lumber package at the beginning of January. When it got delivered yesterday, the price for the package went up 15 grand. And we're working with fixed numbers. You know, they're doing a home a home construction mortgage, and the homeowner or the builder is gonna eat that cost, or we're gonna stop construction. These people have been waiting 12 months to dig the to dig the hole. So how do you stop it? You know what I mean? And and there's not a ton of you know, remodeling margins are better than new construction margins. So there's not a ton of money in it for people to be eating these. And, you know, so it's, it's, it brings the challenges that way. I'm hoping, you know, some of these, some of these window manufacturers and door manufacturers get people back in the factories working so that lead times can, you know, pick up a little bit because, you know, honestly, when you get, when you get busy like this, if you don't have the systems in place to, to pre-order this stuff, which I'm guessing a lot of contractors or remodelers are in that boat. You know, by the time you turn around to order the material, 
you're you're not even going to be anywhere close to your start date. Yeah. So, you know, doors and windows, we're getting 18-week lead times, some vinyl siding and stuff like that. But my concern is the industry, with the rates going up a little bit, the industry will take a little bit of a, a downward spin, which is fine. But I'm afraid the material costs are kind of set where they're going to be. You know, I don't, I don't know if, you know, we can take on the greed of capitalism by some of these companies, but I don't think they're going to decrease some of these these product costs, which is a little concerning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it seems, and I mean, we need to ratchet up supply, you know, the demands there. So, I mean, just need to get more output. So that seems like that's the fastest path to success there. Well, Jeremy, if you had to wrap us up with kind of some final words of wisdom or one piece of advice for other remodelers listening, what do you want to leave us with? I always tell my guys and I would tell any remodeler out there to seek out other people that are doing what they're doing and ask questions because you're going to get a positive response from those people. And long term, that could be a great source. This is not, you know, we're not in competition with every remodeler, everyone in a truck that you see. I mean, one of my best, one of my best source of leads is a company that does all projects that are a little bit higher in cost than us. So I get a ton of his referrals that are anything under like $60,000, $70,000 jobs. And, you know, that's a great relationship for us in this, in the, in our community. So don't be scared to reach out and ask questions to people that are doing stuff better than you or more than you, because it could turn into a, you know, something really positive and worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, super good advice. I like that. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much for carving out the time and uh, sharing your story with me. Absolutely. Thanks for reaching out. It's been great. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.